Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to feeling out of sorts. The flight was crowded, even in first class. There was turbulence over the ocean. The food served was colorless, as was the stewardess. After clearing customs, he marches over to the car rental counter to pick up his reserved Jaguar. The woman at the car counter, unlike the stewardess, is young and vivacious. Smiling at Lucian, she breezes through the paperwork and gives him directions to the vehicle. Will you be staying in Paris tonight, she asks. Sadly shaking his head, he tells her, No, I must meet some friends in Racine. Perhaps I will be in Paris in a few days. Will you give me your number? Touching his hand, she leans over the counter and tucks a card with her number on it into his front pocket. Inhaling her patchouli scent arouses him. He takes her hand and kisses it, promising to call if he is staying in Paris. Driving to Racine, Lucian plans how he will approach his daughter. He suspects Lorelai warned her to beware of him, that he might not have Alexandra's best interests at heart. In fact, he loves his daughter and would not intentionally cause her pain. Unfortunately, his actions could have unintended consequences. Wondering where the demon is and why he has not received a return phone call, he acknowledges to himself Eziel might suspect his intentions are not entirely pure. If that is the case, he thinks, the demon will make every effort to thwart his plans. The rhythm of the road eventually lulls Lucian into a peaceful state of mind. Enjoying the passing scenes of the French countryside, he thinks it might be time to relocate. I've been in New Orleans for centuries. A new environment might be the perfect thing for me, he thinks. The ringing phone interrupts his reverie. It is Claire. He pushes the button on the steering wheel to answer and engages the auto drive. Hello, Claire. Where are you, he asks. I'm here, in Racine, waiting for you. Where are you, she wants to know. I'm almost there. Is Alexandra with you, he asks. Claire tells him she is staying at the Covent home, but she is not available to speak with him. She's in the meditation chamber, she tells Lucian. Does she know I am coming, Lucian asks. Debating which way to go with her lie, Claire decides to tell Lucian his daughter does not know he is on his way. We all thought it was best not to tell her, she says. Laughing, Lucian says, are you afraid she'll run away? Honestly, yes, Claire tells him. Lucian demands to know the details of Claire's plan. How do you plan on preventing Alexandra's disappearance the moment she sees me? Breathing deeply, Claire carefully lays out the trap she has set for Lucian, knowing one foot could send him racing away. We think the meeting should take place at the Abbey Ruins. The witches of Racine have agreed to help us form a binding circle to keep Alexander from escaping. Once you have had the opportunity, we will allow her to decide whether she wants to go with you or remain at Racine. Feeling a slight tremor of apprehension, Lucian asks, will you be meeting me there or shall we go together? Rosalind, you and I will travel there together once the witches have taken Alexandra and formed their circle, she answers, hoping he does not detect the trembling in her voice. 
Very well. I will see you soon, he tells her. He spends the rest of the drive trying to find Alexandra to confirm she is indeed in Racine, but Lorelai's Dale is still strong. He cannot detect whether she is close or very far away. Seeing storm clouds ahead, Lucian speeds up, hoping to beat the rain. He is unsuccessful and gets to the coven home later than, than expected and in a worse temper than when he arrived in Paris. Claire sees him drive up and rushes out to meet him. Lucian, we're running late. We should leave immediately, she tells him. Angrily, he asks where Rosalind is. If you're in such a hurry, why isn't she out here with you? Turning towards the building, Claire shouts for Rosalind to hurry and join them. She just stopped to grab a coat, Claire tells him. Rosalind rushes out the door, and the three are on their way to the ruins before Lucian has an opportunity to ask any more questions. It is a very short drive to the site. Arriving at the ruins, Lucian begins to have doubts. He feels Claire and Rosalind are nervous and distracted. Pausing to scan the area, Lucian doesn't see anyone else. No witches and no Alexandra. Taking his hand, Claire leads him towards the area where the circle has been created. Lucian sees the markings on the ground, the familiar symbols, and assumes they are for Alexandra. Entering the circle, he immediately realizes his mistake. The witches materialize all around him. He is trapped in the center, alone. Glaring at her, Lucian says, I am surprised at you, Claire. You know what will happen once I am released from this trap. Enjoy your last days of existence. Before walking away, she tells him, we will return when the gateway is reopened, and maybe we will let you go if you promise to behave. The witches finish spinning the web, which will be Lucian's prison. Claire understands if things go badly and Lucian escapes. She truly could have only a few more days to live. Turning to Rosalind, she takes her hand, and they leave the ruins together without a backwards glance. Jake and Samir awaken to find themselves in a large room. Something has moved them from the spot where they lost consciousness, but they do not have any company in the chamber. There is a circular mark on the floor surrounding a beam of light. Markings on the walls accompany beautiful drawings depicting the witches who had once lived there. There are drawings of ceremonies and feasts, scenes of daily life. It is a priceless chronicle of early Anantan life. Spellbound, the two take it all in, moving from one exquisite scene to another. Hearing a sound emanating from within the beam of light, they turn towards it. They see the form of a witch materialize in the center. The apparition begins to speak. I am Rowena, one of the explorers. We have built our coven home here. We have brought with us the knowledge you will one day need to reopen the gateway and journey home. If you are here, you know part of the answer. Bring the key to this spot and you will find the rest. The vision disappears and with it the beam of light. Frustrated at the lack of information, Jake shouts at the vanished witch. We don't know part of the answer. We don't know anything. Samir reminds him they know Alexandra is the key, and now they know the lock is somewhere in Rosalind. They feel the chapel will play a part in the final solution, Samir says. We should return to the surface and continue our trip. Do you have any idea how we get back to the surface, Jake asks. 
Pointing to one of the paintings, Samir says, I think our directions are right there. The two study the images and see they are, in fact, a map of the Coven home. The tunnel leading to the surface is off to the left. Once above ground again, Jake and Samir continue their walk to Rosslyn Chapel. Approaching the building, Jake senses a presence, a familiar one. Turning around, he sees Alexandra. Rushing towards her, he reaches out his arms, but before he can reach her, she disappears. Turning to his friend, he asks, what happened? What the hell just happened? Samir answers he doesn't know, but suspects Alexandra's mind was reaching out, searching for Jake. Now she knows where you are. She will come, he tells his friend. The two continue on as the late afternoon sun sets. The two continue on as the late afternoon sun sets the face of the chapel on fire. Inside, the multitude of intricate carvings covering every surface create the sensation of entering a three-dimensional sculpture. Subtle vibrations emanating from the stones have a dizzying effect on Jake. He reaches out to steady himself on the closest column. Realizing his mistake, as the column comes alive with color, changing and shifting like a kaleidoscope, he quickly pulls his hand back. He looks towards Samir to see if his friend noticed the peculiar effect. His friend doesn't appear to have been paying any attention. Samir's expression is blissful. Head cut to one side, he seems to be listening, be listening to a symphony for one. Tapping Samir's shoulder, Jake asks what it is he is hearing. The music of the stones, of life, of all creation, Samir answers. It is present here in a way I have never experienced before. Shaking his head, Jake says, I can't hear anything out of the ordinary, but he places his hand back on the column to show Samir the effect. What do you make of that, he asks. Samir sees someone approaching and tells Jake to pull his hand away, saying, we are attracting unwanted attention. The man introduces himself as a guide and asks if the two have any questions about the chapel. Nodding, Samir tells him, I have heard a musical score was discovered encoded in the stones. Is that true? Yes, it is true. We have recordings in the gift shop if you are interested, the guide tells him, hoping to entice the two to leave. He feels uncomfortable in their presence, getting the sense they are communicating with the carvings. Hearing his thoughts, Samir says, don't worry, we're going to be leaving shortly. How did you, I wasn't suggesting you leave. Please forgive me if it seemed like that. It's just, we are closing in 15 minutes, the guide stammers. Tells the guide they will be gone in five. He doesn't want to admit to Samir. He finds the building disturbing. They walk hurriedly away, trying to cover as much ground as they can before closing time. Alexandra's consciousness is reaching out, searching for Jake. Finally locating him, she can see he is standing in front of Rosslyn Chapel. He senses her presence and looks towards her, rushes to meet her, not realizing she is only a projection. She can't understand why he is with Gregory's windbrace, Samir. Seeing, again leaves, seeing Jake again leaves her shaken, trembling violently. Alexandra's last honest memory of him is from the night of the murder, the night Jake and Caitlin had kidnapped her.
She is aware in the days after he had saved her life and cleared her name, but that has not erased the wound of his betrayal. Feeling love and hate in equal measure, her desire for him outweighs both. Her body is raw. The slightest touch of a breeze ignites her like flame on kindling. Closing her eyes, she conjures up visions of his naked body. So real, her fingertips throb in time with his heartbeat. She hears Elena's voice calling, reaching down into the deep well of her fantasy and pulling her out. Alexandra, wake up. You need to go. Magdalene has found you. I don't know how. I tried to cloak your presence, but she was able to see through it. We feel her spirit. She's almost here. Painfully banishing the vision of Jake, Alexandra collects herself and answers Elena. Thank you for trying. Please just protect yourselves. I'll be fine, she tells her as they share a parting embrace. She wonders if that is true. Will I be fine or am I headed for my demise? Believing it is safe to return to Cadiz, she summons up a vision of the room with the red curtains. Opening her eyes, she sees the familiar surroundings. She races to the gathering room, hoping the witches will all be there. She finds Dawn and Oleander, but no others. What has happened, she asks, not really wanting to hear the answer. Wearily lifting her head, Dawn's face brightens when she sees Alexandra. Thank goodness, we thought you were lost to us, she says, rushing to Alexandra. Wrapping her arms around the witch, she had feared was dead. And it looks like we're running out of time, so I think that's it for this episode. And probably only be about another three more episodes till we get to the end. So I hope you'll join us all the way through. And that's it.